you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. It's so wonderful to see you all. Thanks for coming by. Uh, be sure to always uh, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, the big LinkedIn newsletter. That thing is killing it over there. Love it. it. goes out every weekday. has all the smartest brainiac stuff on it, the smartest people on the show that we choose. And uh, also, there's the big 130,000 groups group over there and uh follow the new ai podcast ai at chrisfoss.com and uh or ai chrisfoss.com and the leadership podcast as well uh today we have an amazing uh leadership discovery and topics we're going to be talking about today uh ceos all the things that's going on in the world and uh and uh all that good stuff uh stuart andrews is on the show with us today his book was the leadership shift how to lead successful transformations in the new normal. And this just came out April 18th, 2022. And uh, it's got the Forbes stamp of approval. You may have heard of Forbes magazine. Yeah, it's got the Forbes stamp of approval. We'll get into what that's all about, et cetera, et cetera. But in the meantime, a little about him. Stuart Andrews is a trusted advisor to management teams and executive boards with over 20 years of experience leading large-scale transformations and serves an executive coach he understands the skill set required for leaders of today to navigate under resourcing uh unrealistic timelines and the constant battle to get things done uh he's helped numerous leaders with their complex transformations and operating model transitions with his background on the ground and foresight he partners with clients to help them grow at an individual and organizational level welcome to the show Stuart. how are you Great. Thanks so much for the intro, Chris. Appreciate it. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, it's just simply uh, stuartandrews.me. There you go. And so, Stuart, uh, tell us uh, about your book. Why did you uh, motivate us to write this book? Yeah, thanks for the question, Chris. Uh, I think um, looking back um, and, and sort of going through the process of managing these large-scale transformations, a lot of lessons learned, and I thought uh, how, how best to share it with a lot of leaders today that are looking for uh, insights around, you know, what to do and what not to do and what are the things that we should be thinking about in order to uh, build a highly engaged workforce and, and drive a competitive advantage. And I thought to you know, package it all up and put it into a book. Um, and that's what we have today. There you go. Well, awesome sauce. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your origin story. What, uh, where'd you grow up, uh, your life, what kind of shaped you and brought you into this field of, uh, talking about leadership and advising companies? Yeah. Awesome. I, um, actually started off as a computer scientist. So, uh, you know, uh, programming sitting behind a computer screen, but it didn't take me long to discover that I enjoyed working with people more than I did with computers. Mm -hmm. And so I moved into uh, business analysis, project management, program management, and transformational uh, roles. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I grew up here in Australia um, and um, absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, uh, you know, what is it? What, what what are some of the traits that you think uh, leaders need to have in today's world? I think it's uh, I think it's important to be very curious um, and empathetic throughout the process. So, you know, I talk a lot about moving from empathy to now compassionate leadership. So, really understanding mm-hmm. uh, a three sixty degree view of the person that you're dealing with. So, what's going on in their life what's happening in their own personal situations to really be able to build and help them, um, you know, drive to the results that you're, you're, you know, you're moving towards. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's important that um, leaders are not directive uh, and and more attuned to listening to, um, you know, the opinions of of highly skilled individuals that they've brought into their organisation. Definitely. I mean, you know, the one thing I learned over the years as CEO is I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And I need people to help me find the answers. I need people uh, to 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 you know. I, I I'm I'm a collector of great ideas and stories, and uh, but you know sometimes I don't have all the answers. And and sometimes there's that one guy that you'll ask, hey, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, yeah. And, and and I what one thing I've been really good at over the course of my career is being able to recognize the good idea when it comes. And so I'll pull people and when some guy will hit it and, you know, I've been sitting there dialing the safe, trying to see how to unlock whatever the issue is. And, uh, I'll talk to a guy and he's got just an angle on the thought and I'll be like, that's the idea right there. And I've done that so many times. My finger usually comes out and goes, that's the idea. (laughs) And, uh, I'm like, you just say my butt, you have the idea. And so being able to pull and not, not think that you are the, the center of the universe when it comes to good ideas. It's really important when you say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you spend a lot of time and effort to hiring highly skilled individuals, so it's important to, you know, take their opinions and listen to what they have to say. Yeah, because, I mean, why bother hiring smart people if you're the smartest guy or if you think yep. you're the smartest yep. guy in the room? And if you think you are, yeah, I can tell you aren't right away. <laughs> <laughs> right off the top, that's, a, that's the first sign that you're not the smartest people in the room. Uh, so uh, tease us out a little bit of the book. What, what, what sort of things do you have in there? Uh, you, you've got uh, the Forbes count, uh, Coaches Council has given it its endorsement. Tell us a little yeah. about some of the tease outs in that book. Yeah, sure. Look, I, I think maybe if we just set the scene in terms of how the book is structured. So it, it really looks to help executives ask the right questions, right? Um mm-hmm you know, which is what we're talking about. So asking more than telling and then moving into uh, ultimately how do we solve the right problems and focus on those those areas that are going to give us the biggest bang for buck mm-hmm. and then encouraging the uh, successful execution, right, with the strategic use of teams. So, you know, we need to look at our teams not as a um, and individuals not as a one-stop um you know, period in time, but uh, look at how we can continue the growth and build them up and look at how that growth transforms the organisation over time. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, so a lot of the time leaders will get stuck with individuals that come and go for, um, you know, a quick project, for, for example. But it's about how do you take all the learnings, the insights, the IP that's developed over that time and then put that through an innovation hub uh, and, and and help that organization continue growing. 
and then ultimately it wraps up with sort of uh, looking at the direction on making how this vision real, right? So how do you how do you really use um, you know the the ideas and and all the uh, inputs that you have to to, to to get to your vision, right? To realize it. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements. If you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff, uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as CEO. Uh, I think I can offer a wonderful, breadth of information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Now back to the show. There you go. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, so it, a lot of it comes down to execution then as well. Yeah. I mean, not only yeah. do you have to have the right ideas, you have to have the right plan. You've got to be able to execute it. What, what, what struggles do you th- see leaders suffering with today where they're, where they're trying to figure things out, uh, any events in the, in the marketplace and stuff? What do you, what do you see going on that leaders are constantly struggling with now or struggling well, with them? Uh, I think. I think that's a that's a very um, it's a great question, Chris, and it and it differs from you know conversations that I have with startups and scale ups to enterprise level, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at, at, at the bottom end of um, you know town where you're still sort of setting up shop or you're in the early phases, it could be a number of factors. It could be just simply uh, lack of governance, right? Lack of maturity, lack of being able to bring in the right expertise to help you define. Uh, your transformational journey Mm -hmm. at the top end you actually have all the governance you have a lot of maturity but now you're getting caught up in a lot of bureaucracy and you're getting caught up into uh, delays because there's so much silos and and then the biggest struggle turns into alignment issues right how do I align this person how do I spend time Um, what what I call sponsorship coalition right so how do you bring the parties together to uh, to sponsor, you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of transformation, right? So there's a lot of um, alignment work that needs to take place. Uh, usually I find that KPIs and all sorts of triggers are all in conflict. So, you know, when you're introducing a change, then you've got, you know, a sales KPI is completely out of whack from customer service KPI to so people are contending on, on resourcing and uh, budgets and and you know they're they're all sort of very protective of um, their areas uh, because that's that's what they're tied to in terms of their outcomes. Yeah, so it just depends on on who you're talking to. Yeah, it's it's uh, and and how do you find lead define leaders? Uh, I mean, just are leaders just CEOs or what's your how do you define leaders as as to where they are in in different organizations? I think leaders ultimately come down to their ability to influence others in a positive way, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't necessarily have to be or have the title of CEO or a C-suite title to be a leader, right? So mm-hmm. you can be a great uh, manager of a small team and people identify with you as an amazing leader because you're, you know, you're, you're building them up, you're helping them grow, you're listening to them, you're, um, you're very compassionate with them, but also 
equally uh, performance-driven. So, you know, if you're able to inspire these people to drive positive uh, change in their own individual lives but also for the best of the organization, then you're doing what a leader should be doing. You know, I love that word inspire that you used. To me, a lot of leadership is inspiration because it's, it's, it's heart and mind capturing it's 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 getting people to go it's it's a a leader that can inspire people in their hearts and minds and get them believing in their leadership or their vision is is to me the money when it comes to leadership because you can lead all you want you can send out pr notices saying oh we're gonna all just increase revenue this uh this a quarter people are just like what up and I give, I give a shit about that. Why? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can think you're leading. Let's put it that way. Because to me, bossing people around, as you might call it, or, you know, like my, my parents, my parents, you know, I'm not knocking my parents, all, all parents do it, but you know, my parents would be like, clean your room. And you're like, I don't know, what's in it for me? You know, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to get spanked. I mean, it was kind of a fear-based sort of thing. Well, you can't really run that way in an organization. We can try. Well, you get fired if you don't do your job. But people, I think, aspire to leaders. I mean, we see that through all areas of life. I mean, whether it's uh, religious leaders or political leaders or uh, maybe somebody likes a coach on TikTok or, you know, an author like yourself. Um you know, they, they're looking for, I think, leadership. And, and what they're looking for is someone who's a visionary and someone who can inspire them, like you said, that heart and mind and can really grasp a hold of them where they can not only intellectually get behind an idea, but they can be passionate about it. Does that sound like a good analogy for inspiration? Yeah, com- completely agree, Chris. And I think you, you touched on a, a very important word, which is fear. A lot of the time you see fear... Um, mm-hmm. And you can see the impacts of what it, what it has to communication and the breakdown of that communication. So it's very important for leaders to build a foundation of trust. That has to be absolutely the foundation of, of, of any organisation. And transparency follows suit, right? So you want that communication to be open. Uh, you don't want to have anyone, um, you know, fearing for their lives, you know, that I can't talk about this or I can't message this data up because, you know, I'm going to get shot down, right? So... Uh, the moment that happens, that's that's probably the start of all the the issues in an organisation because everyone starts to become very protective around what it is that's actually causing the problem in in in, a, in, a, in any situation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important that leaders really inspire through trust and transparency. Yeah, uh, right now a lot of leaders I think are struggling with COVID. Uh, the the you know COVID's kind of. It's kind of wrapped up. I think in Australia, aren't you guys running a little bit behind? Do you still have COVID kicking around down there? You guys were kind of behind the curve on getting it, and then yeah, exactly. It. But um, I think I think we're all good now. So I think it's oh, now being seen just as a uh, yeah another virus. There you go. Now we just need to get the ko- koalas cleared up of uh, cleaning. <laughs> we'll be fine. I was just reading about that today. It was funny. Yeah. They're vaccinating them, which is good because everyone loves koalas. They're cute. They're cuddly, and I guess they're dying off from it. So that you know, we want them to live. Um, you know, I don't know about some of the other weird animals that are scary as hell you have there in Australia, but we won't get into that. Uh, you guys, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised the human race survives down there. When I see pictures of like the spiders and stuff in Australia, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'll visit next year. 
So, <laughs> but it's a lovely place. And in fact, the last Australian uh, gentleman we had on, we were talking about uh, Men at Work. And it took me all the way back to my days. I was in high school when that album came out for Men at Work, Business as Usual. And so we got into the whole thing about about uh, pop music from the 80s. Um, but uh, so, you know, how do you see CEOs right now? Are they struggling with the remote work experience? Do you have a lot of remote work going down there? Or, you know, remote work you've seen here in America? Because we have a lot of it going on. And, and mm. it's really it's really kind of mucking up everything. And people are trying to, it's the new normal. And people are trying to figure out the new normal. Yeah, I completely agree, Chris. I think still... Uh, organizations are grappling with it. The majority are. Some are doing really well. And some started remote and hybrid work way before COVID anyway. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I know all 100 organizations in the U.S. that had amazing um, hybrid work experiences prior to, to COVID, so, and they were successful do, in doing so. So I don't think it's uh, necessarily a new concept. I just think that COVID maybe helped other organizations realize actually it can work. Uh, you know, for quite some time, there is some, you know, leadership behaviors or thoughts that thinking that, you know, that productivity can only take place in the workplace. And I fundamentally disagree with that. I think there is a time and place for everything. And I also think that that varies by department by uh, at an individual level. Mm. You've, got to, you've got to actually allow for uh, right down to the individual level to determine where is the best place for the ultimate productivity, right? So, mm. as, as you know, as I talk about, you know, workshops and, and things like that, they, they tend to be more productive in, in a face-to-face environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can still have them remote, but, you know, they, you know, the research shows that it's, you know, that, you know, communication traveling through, you know, looking at how we speak and looking at our actions, looking at our facial expressions, um, it, it's less uh, less impact, or I should say, less resource intensive on the brain to try and navigate what that other person is trying to tell me when uh, when I'm face to face. So you know, there's a time and place for everything, uh, you know. But doesn't say that you know uh, you've got your own individual. You know, I'm working on a document. I can be sitting at home or on the beach or wherever it may be, and I could be working on that document. I could be just as productive whether I'm there or in the office. So. I think, yeah, I think some organizations, uh, you know, are still trying to work out what that looks like, but it's really not mm. that difficult. It's just about empowering your, your, your people um, to, to find that, that happy medium and, and work collectively uh, throughout the organization to make it work. Most definitely. You know, one of the problems we've had here in America is Zoom burnout. Like mm. I've got friends that work for corporation. They're, they're doing like 12 Zooms a day. Yeah. It's just meeting after meeting, and they are just freaking fried. Yeah, uh, I do two to three shows a day on on Streamyard, but you know I love this and I, I do it for free. Uh, if if I had to, because I, I love talking to brilliant minds like yourself, I love having great guests on the show and finding out what their thing is. You know, I don't I don't have to do it if I don't want to, but I love doing it. It's one of the few things I actually love doing. And uh, but you know, I mean, three shows. Uh, and there's a lot of work and production that goes on in my background and head and trying to come up with comedy during the show. And there's, a, there's a bit of work to it, but uh, uh, three three Zoom meetings for me of podcasts on StreamYard is it's a bit draining. Like I, yeah. by the third show at the end of the day, I'm I'm squeezing out whatever energy I left. So I can't imagine doing ten or twelve Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. I imagine most of the time you're sitting there just going, "What is this idiot talking about in my office?" But 
uh, you know, to me, I, I, I'm good at inspiring people face to face and being in office with people sitting down, uh, you know, uh, maybe, you know, putting a hand on their shoulder or pat on their back or, you know, uh, you have to be careful what you do in office these days, but, you know, giving, you know, having that whole rah, rah, I mean, people feel you when, when they're around you, there's a feeling they get from you. There's excitement they get. And like you say, I really like how you clarified it. You know, we look at faces and we look at body language and that has an effect on us. You know, I mean, um, you know, when you see great speakers and they're using different signs and, and body language, that's part of the whole package of that motivation. And I think one of the problems that leaders have today is trying to convey that across the video screen and keep people that, in, engaged, especially yeah. people that maybe, you know, just sitting around their pajamas and their underwear yeah. and going, uh, I need this shit in the morning, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a little bit, uh, if there's a little bit of a differentiation of your attitude when you're sitting in your home and you're just like, who the fuck is this guy? As opposed to in your office going, who the fuck is this guy? And you're standing at attention, you know, because you want to look good for your coworkers. It's kind of a whole different realm. You're approaching people in their space instead of, you know, the CEO or business space. What are you, any thoughts on that? Yeah, Chris, I think there's two parts to this. I think, uh, I think sometimes leaders are focused on the wrong problem to solve. So mm. what you're describing here to me is, um, a, a potential lack of engagement conversation when actually behind the scenes that lack of engagement relates to the culture of the organisation because I could still be in my PJs and I could be super excited to wake up in the morning and I'm happy about the work that I'm doing, who I'm working for and, and what I do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I could still be standing and I've seen it in a town hall session in a suit listening to a leader talk but I'm still very uninspired by, um, oh, here we go again, you know, we're talking about the results again, the financial data, or we're talking about all the great things that we're going to do, but deep down, you know, it's not going to happen because we're constantly bickering and fighting each other behind the scenes and, you know, we can't get anything done because people aren't aligned and, you know, you know we don't manage conflict well. And so, you know, and that's all in person. So mm -hmm. I think what I'm trying to get at here is that, you know, there's a cultural engagement type of conversation that needs to be fixed at the root cause level before mm -hmm. you even talk about whether we do hybrid or no hybrid or how do we execute the hybrid. That's what I would call ancillary to solving that problem. Then there's the other issue, which is, um, okay, so the culture is, is quite well and, and we're doing that amazingly great at the moment, but we're struggling with the balance. And I, I think leaders are then coming out and talking about, well, you must come into the office two days a week or three days a week. Again, it's missing the point. It's not about the time or the frequency you come into the office. It's about what work needs to be done in the office versus what type of work can be done at home. So, mm -hmm. Again, we need to be talking about why are we pushing people into the office? And if you help take them on that journey, uh, then uh, there's an educational piece that, that will get the buy-in. Yeah, instead of being like Elon Musk at Twitter, it's like anybody who doesn't show up on Friday doesn't have a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little hard to get the hearts and minds mm. behind that vision. And, and then, of course, the sell. You don't have a job. You know, mm. Steve Jobs, uh, you know, good and bad. 
had the ability to build uh, an enticing vision for people that would move mountains. I mean, you know, trying to build the iPhone was extraordinary for all the stuff he wanted to put into it. And, uh, you know, you can name a lot of other visionaries um, who were trying to build something and the overall arcing vision of what they got people behind. And I love your idea on your counter thing that there are people who can stand at the front of a room in a live audience with employees and bore the crap out of them, make them feel like they don't care about the business and all that good stuff. And that's very true. You know, the other, the other thing I think that's hard is, you know, with these zoom meetings, I see these zoom meetings that look like the Brady bunch and there's like, you know, 10 or 20 people on the screen. I used to enjoy being able to, uh, I used to call it touching. I know that's a bad word now with HR. I come back, I come from like, old school brick and mortar. Um, but it wasn't touching, but to me it was touching people. And so what I would go do is meet with people one-on-one. Hey, how are you doing today, man? It's good to see yeah. you, man. How's, how's things going? You good? You know, and to me that was the touching. Um, mm-hmm. and touching the hearts and minds. And it was a, a very individual thing where I could go sit down with people and they could feel that I actually gave a shit. You yes. know, and I, I don't know how much of that would be lost um, coming across the screen. And it, it, and it seems unpersonal. You know, you're like, hey, can you uh, load up the computer so I can uh, look at you in the screen? And I'm yeah. going to tell you that I give a shit and care. And I'm one of those people that when people hang out with me, I'm going to make them laugh. I'm going to I'm going to try and engage with them uh, intellectually and emotionally. And and to me, there's that touch there's that human touch. I think that's yeah. the word I'm looking for uh, or two words I'm looking for human touch, the touching and and. You know, and it, it wasn't like it wasn't like, hey, where are your TPS reports and and uh, how are your sales doing, asshole? You know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. It was like, hey, how are you doing, man? Hey, anything you need help with? Is is there something I can do for you? Servant leadership, sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and and they would come away with going, hey, this guy really gives a shit about yeah. me, and he understands that that my application to the company, and and to me that was a really valuable thing. And I, I think if I had a large corporation like I used to have in the day, it would be harder for me to do that because I would go around the room and, and do that with my employees. Or if I saw them in the hallways, hey, how you doing? You okay? Uh, you know, sometimes there were divisions of my company. I had no idea who the employees were. Sometimes I'd have to stop and be like, do you work here? And they'd be like, yeah, I work here. You're the CEO. And I'd be like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, carry on. <laughs> and so uh, being able to, you know, just kind of touch people in the halls uh, with a human touch and, and just communication and going, Hey, do you care? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Chris. I think nothing's going to replace that human touch. I think when we um, when we went through COVID, what happened was though is that everyone started to scramble to say, "Look, how do we how do we keep going?" And and I think in them in the angst um, of of all of that, that's where the Zoom meetings and, and what have you started to spin up and started to become a back-to-back session, you know, I finish, and I know people that sat on their chair for 12 hours a day, right? They literally didn't get up because it was just back-to-back every day. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, and, and in fact, people started to become more productive than what they were inside the office because there was no interruptions and there was just complete focus. Uh, you could argue a case for, did I really need to have that meeting? It was a complete waste of time or what have you, but people were, were scrambling to to just adapt, Okay. Uh, And all I'm saying now is that I think you can still have an element of human touch through uh, remote working, you know, Mm -hmm. just like we're having a a transparent, open conversation this way um, and we spend a bit of time to, you know, 
uh, ask individual and personal questions, etc. So you can, but it doesn't it doesn't replace, of course, the the face to face interaction. So um, I think it's again, it's about how do you blend that into your work culture so that you know you don't have people sitting at home day in day out and there is no interaction because that's not good. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I noticed you post a lot on, on Facebook. Uh, one of your recent things was a model for ethical uh, leadership. Do you, do you find ethical, being ethical as a leader is a big challenge today in, in a corporate environment? I do. I think it's a, it's, I think it's a, it's a real struggle. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that it's, again, something new. I think... Uh, I think with every era and every generation, the it's the same challenge. It just looks a little bit different because of the you know the advancements that we have, right? And uh, you know, it just becomes in in today's world, in a digital world, it becomes maybe a lot easier to uh, go off track. So I think uh, I think it's important that it's it's revisited and and it's uh, refocused, and it's really about how do you. Um, ensure you're not a hypocrite right so how do you how do you ensure that what you stand for is actually what you are doing because that's really a key driver for people to be uh, you know that have that sense of purpose and, and enjoyment and satisfaction for who they work for yeah it's it it really make, makes a difference and I, maybe that's why people are experiencing zoom being out burnout is because being out Zoom burnout. You can bean out if you want. I don't know what that means. I think that means when you drink too much coffee, you beaned out. Uh, I've, I've had those moments in my life. Too much coffee. You're like, you're like, maybe I shouldn't have had that third cup. Uh, you become too out. energized. Yeah. I'm going to start a coffee website, beanout, beanout.com. Um, maybe it's a, how to get off coffee. I don't know. Anyway, uh, what about teams? You talk a lot about teams I see on LinkedIn. Uh, what, what, what do you think is important on team building and CEOs building teams and, and getting high performance out of them? Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of uh, focus on, on, on teams, right? And I think one of my recent posts that I did that, that, that seemed to be supported quite well by a lot of um, a lot of followers is that you know I, I I put a model for you know five key dimensions which was to uh, you know listen to your team members and we talked about that at the beginning of this uh, conversation. We also need to be more open, right, around how approachable am I in terms of being able to discuss anything, right, mm-hmm. so that we remove that fear factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, through trust and transparency, and as you said, uh, you know about that human touch. Well, well, that's referred to as how do you engage at a personal level, right? To really go beyond the hard skills and the technical competencies that we're looking for, and the work that we're doing on a day to day, but really engage at an individual level and and have conversations that are, you know, uh, maybe n- nothing to do with work, right? But really mm-hmm. help build and foster that relationship. Uh, then we look at evaluating uh, how we're doing in terms of performance. So again, it's 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 balancing that heart and sort of compassionate leadership with performance management, right? But at mm-hmm. a at an appropriate level, uh, and looking at how leaders can do a, a comprehensive review of what's going on and get down to root cause analysis, right? There's not enough of that because a lot of the time especially at, at sort of enterprise organisations, by the time the data is summarised and then summarised again and summarised again and people spend so many hours on PowerPoint presentations and 
what you know by the time you're trying to make a decision you're making a decision about a completely different story uh, so you don't ha- you don't have the right facts you don't have the root cause analysis there to to sort of sit down and and unpack it and really uh, dig deeper into looking at options and 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 having this type of free conversation but instead you're tied to uh, a one slider summary of a summary that <laughs> that's lost a lot of meaning and a lot of context and so the decisions that are being made are um, yeah, ultimately not the right ones. Definitely, definitely. It makes all the difference. Uh, anything you want to touch on about leadership, your book, what you're working on and what you're doing right now? I think uh, I, I think right now it's about how do we drive uh, a message around, you know, how do leaders become better leaders and, and inspiring others. So a lot of my work now is is helping leaders and coaching their teams uh, spending time with them, and the best thing that they come back to to saying is that that was great or that was a good experience because there was a reflection. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably the focus is to give people more time to reflect. The more time there is on reflection, the more time we're able to evaluate, look at what's working well, what's not working well, and mm-hmm. and sort of improving, which is that growth mindset that. Um, that, that, that I'm really trying to push through, Chris, is, is to, you know, how do we all build a growth mindset, which is it's okay to take constructive feedback. It's okay to, you know, um, have conversations that maybe push us in outside our comfort zone, but that's important for, for continued growth. There you go. There you go. Well, this has been really insightful to have you on the show. I really appreciate it, Stuart. Thanks, Chris. I've really enjoyed having the conversation with you and, um, yeah, um, We'd love to do it again sometime. <laughs> there you go. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, awesome. So it's just simply www.stuartandrews.me. Stuart is S-T-U-A-R-T, andrews.me. Mm-hmm. There you go. And uh, order it up, folks. Wherever fine books are sold, you can find it uh, at Amazon and other great places. The Leadership Shift, How to Lead Successful Transformations in the New Normal, which is uh, definitely always changing, so it's good to keep up. It's crazy all the stuff that's going going on, especially COVID. COVID threw such a wrench in the gears and remote working, but uh, we will adapt. We will survive, or at least try not to lose our minds. Graceful under <laughs> pressure, as it were. Uh, so thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, all those crazy places we're on the internet. I think we're even on TikTok, so search for us over there. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>